Good evening, good morning, good afternoon. Uh, welcome back to my podcast. And we are going to uh, continue on talking about the mucogingival deficiencies. This time, not on the gingival recession, but rather on the uh, short teeth syndrome uh, or a higher lip, uh, hypermobile lip. But nevertheless, uh, it's the the a gummy smile in, in, in summary, if we look at it. And uh, here we, there's multiple ways of approaching it. So I'm gonna talk to you about the importance of diagnosis. And once we diagnose and we go by category, then we will go and discuss how we treat them. So if we go here with the, uh, back to the diagnosis, because that's the most important thing as we discussed uh, earlier, we're going to see that we're still in the uh, other conditions and in particular into the mucogingival deformities. And having said that, we are going to uh, think about what are the different uh, gingival uh, discrepancies. And here we have a gingival axis. And when we have a gingival axis, that means we have an abundance of tissue and we have a gummy smile. Um, and the uh, a root cause of it, we need to determine it in order for us to uh, address the problem. So uh, if we go into the, uh, the specificities of the excessive gingival display, we look at Bola, a very uh, great friend of mine and a great colleague. He wrote a beautiful paper where he divided it in A, B, C, D, and E. And each one is different. And when we looked at A, it's the called altered passive eruption. That means we, the gums have not moved up and we still have the uh, teenager look. You have somebody 23, 24, their teeth are short, like a teenager. Uh, if this, we exclude the other issues, which can be a bony maxillary excess or a gingival enlargement due to medication or deficient maxillary lip length, or excessive mobility of maxillary lip. So if we go with the first one, we can see that it can be uh, a normal uh, clinical crown measurement, yes or no. And if it is uh, yes, then uh, it's easy to manage. It's only a small uh, uh, gingivectomy and we can figure it out. Uh, but if we have a uh, the clinical crowns are not normal, then we have to identify the length of the tooth and see if this is uh, fitting within the age of the patient and the gender of the patient. And then we can go and do a, a gingivectomy uh, plus an osseous reduction. And uh, here, if we look at the two subtypes, A and B, I don't want to complicate it too much, but in A, that means the bone is away from the neck of the tooth, or we call it the CJ. If it is at the neck of the tooth and we need to elongate it, then we have to recreate what we call a biological width, which is the normal distance between the bone and the uh, neck of the tooth in order for the gum to stay higher up or lower down from the neck of the tooth to give the whole length of the tooth. So this is what we call the biological width and that needs a certain amount, which is the, uh, a groove around the tooth. We call it the sulcus. 
we have an epithelial attachment and we have a connective tissue attachment. The addition of all of these come about average of a three millimeter. So this is the most common one that we treat with it in a periodontal office or even in dental office. Then we go to the bone maxillary access. And when we are dealing with a bone maxillary access, that means you have a, a skull deficiency, meaning or in a, a, a skull that is uh, the maxilla that is longer. And that cannot be corrected by just uh, lifting up the gums or playing with the lip. That is a orthognatic surgery where they break the jaw and change it up uh, or down depending on what the orthodontist and the maxillofacial surgeon decide on the approach. So that goes beyond the dental practices and that's a more of a hospital setting along with an orthodontist. Uh, the majority of the cases that we deal with is the category A and that is what we see a lot with a lot of the patients. So having said that, we can have a third one, which is a, uh, a lot of enlargement of the gums. The enlargement of the gums can be due to inflammatory disease, which is the gingivitis, meaning plaque build up this inflammation and this overgrowth of the gums, or, or we can be due to medications. Medications, uh, some people are taking uh, blood pressure medications, still they give them the calcium channel blocker that was very common in the 90s, then uh, kind of phased out with the beta blocker uh, and other uh, kind of medication, the diuretics, which are very efficient. Unfortunately, you have to go to the bathroom a lot. Uh, the uh, beta blockers and the calcium channel blocker work differently, but the problem with the calcium channel blocker, it gives this excess of soft tissue or you can have a medication for autoimmune, against autoimmune rejection. Uh, and this gives also a uh, overgrowth of the gums. Uh, and in both cases, plaque control and a gingivectomy can clear it. But the problem is with this medication, either they can be changed, reduced the dose, or switched, uh, which it can be difficult sometimes. So this is not our decision to make. This is the uh, medical uh, uh, physicians will do that and they will give you the best uh, advice for it. And then brings us to a uh, deficient maxillary lip length and excessive mobility of the maxillary lip. I'm gonna focus on this one and this is, uh, you need to look at how much you have of a exposure of the gums. So in a normal uh, lip mobility or in non-normal lip mobility, you have to look at how much you show. So usually one to three millimeter of gingival display is in with the length of the teeth that is short, then we do it with an altered passive eruption. If there is the length of the teeth is pretty normal. And we will see with one case how we look at these things. Uh, we can see that then this is a more of a lip that is hypermobile and it is way my up. So that can be treated also by a shortening of the lip from within inside the mucosa. There is a big chances of rebound of uh, the slip mobility uh, control. So I urge you to 
be prepared that this might bounce back and don't be upset uh, with the periodontist in case they do it for you. It is not sometimes very predictable, but nevertheless, when it works, it gives a, uh, and it works most of the time, it gives a, a great uh, service to the patient by reducing this gingival display that is not related to the length of the teeth. So having said that, let's go back to the first one, the ultra-passive eruption. And let's talk about uh, how we work the case. And then uh, with the shortness of time, you know, I want to limit it always to 10 to 17 minutes or 15 minutes the most. Uh, so we'll see how it goes with that. So here we have to uh, look at uh, the display of the patient. So the first thing we do is we bring the patient and we ask them to smile. Immediately when they smile, you can see in this case that they have short teeth. They have short teeth. They have one to three millimeter of gingival display that is normal and uh, I mean, within the norm, but it's showing gums. But you hear, you see, this is not a lip issue huh? because the teeth are short. So when we, how do we define that? Well, we, there is norms. Uh, sometimes we have part of the teeth or part of the, the symmetrical part of the mouth, the right or the left, in another word, can be short or can be long. And if it is short or long, so we have to look at which uh, norms that we look for. So I picked for you a, a little bit of a tricky case because here we have a uh, little bit longer on the left versus the right. So that's a tricky case. And just to show you that this is not only uh, arbitrary in, uh, in the way we treat them, especially for you patient that is watching it. And you too, as a dentist, if you wanna get involved in understanding how we look at it, it is not arbitrary. There's nothing arbitrary. And that's why I love those aesthetic stuff because it's all based on foundations and fundamentals. We can just jump up and start to uh, do stuff. So here, if you look, we, we look at the amount of keratinized tissue. We talked a lot about it before. We have a good band. And so always we have to keep in mind if we are reducing that soft tissue, we need to keep in mind to keep at least two millimeter. And that's what we spoke about last time and the time before and from the beginning. This is probably our seven episodes. So having said that, you have to keep in mind. So everything has to be calculated properly. And the approach of the flap or the treatment can be different. So if we have, we are starting with minimum amount of keratinized tissue, that means this pink solid uh, tissue around the neck, then the flap has to be different cannot be just the gingivectomy and cutting the bone. You have to reposition the flap more apically without touching the amount of keratinized tissue. But in the cases, most of the time you have an abundance of tissue, so you can afford to reduce it. So here, because it's asymmetrical, right and left, some are short and some are long, so we need to look into it carefully and make sure that we are doing the right norm. So, I look at this lateral on the left side, which is this one, you know, the left is the mirror when you look at it. So if we look at it here and we can see based on this wonderful reference, this is one of the best references I've ever seen. And uh, the second name on it is Dr. Gallucci. He is uh, the head of uh, uh, prosthetic and implant in, uh, 
in Harvard, a very dear friend of mine. I am very honored to be a friend uh, of his, as much as he is a friend of mine. So with that, uh, Dr. Gallucci wrote this beautiful paper where he measured uh, the teeth uh, of the Caucasian. And we know that the Caucasian is almost, the teeth of the Caucasian are almost the same as any other ethnicity or any other race except the Japanese, and this is based also on Dr. Weisgold, that they have more triangular teeth. Most of the population of the world have a squared uh, tapered tooth. Uh, so that's why we all look alike in the teeth and the, most of the treatment are the same. If you have a triangular teeth, then we will probably get to it later on when we talk about extraction of teeth and replacement with dental implant. As you can see, there's a lot of things to cover and I'm trying to be judicial of the time that I don't keep you too long and get you too overwhelmed. So we do them slowly, slowly. So we look here and we can see the length is normal. So we know that the lateral is normal. So immediately we need to see that this lateral on the left has to match the lateral on the right. So we know that this one has to be worked. Before we do that, there's also norms. You see that uh, cross here, that's, we call it the zenith. This is the highest point of the curve on the neck of the tooth. And this zenith here and this zenith on the canine are the same length. And the lateral here is one millimeter below. And the zenith here is symmetrical to the zenith there. The same on the canine to the canine, central to the central. So when we look at here now, and we know that the centrals have to be higher than the lateral, the central, higher than the lateral, same length as the canine. That's the canine, and that's the central. So here we have to be one millimeter apical or higher uh, for you, the, the patients. Uh, and we can decide that this is the length of the height. And then we can look into if that length is belong to the Magne and Gallucci's paper, which is any female goes up to a 11, any male goes to up to uh, 10. So, and we, uh, we make the shape of the tooth, we uh, kind of a uh, digital wax up, and then we will do the same on the central based on these norms and the length, and we do the same on the canine. So now we achieved the uh, left side, and then all we have to do now is do the symmetry. So we know that the central on the right side, that's the center on the right side, has to match the canine on the right side, and the center on the right side has to match the center on the left. Everything has to be built the same. So now we know that we can put the centrals by doing a symmetry of that wax, digital wax up, and you can see the amount of tissue that we have to sacrifice here on the right side versus on the left side and the shape of the tooth that we have to expose in here. This is a case that is going to end up with veneers for sure. It cannot be done only by elongating the teeth. It has to be done also with beautiful veneers. And I will interview a few of my colleagues, uh, prostodontists and top of the game in aesthetics. And we will discuss further about how we can do, what we can do to the uh, patients. And this way it will give you a better approach for the treatments. But nevertheless, this is the base. Huh? The base is the foundation that we build upon. And that's why I love periodontics or the gums because this is the basement. So you have to build a house, you have to build it on good foundation. 
and that's part of the uh, way we do it. So now we can prepare the canine that is the same length of the uh, central, and then we do the uh, lateral symmetrical to the other side. So now we have prepared from canine to canine, but we cannot forget the premolars and the molars. Now, in this patient in particular, her smile line, it is a little bit more uh, contained, meaning she doesn't have corridors. When she smiles, she doesn't show a lot of teeth on the back. But nevertheless, when you're doing something like this, let's do it the right way. And there is also norm for the premolars. So for instance, when we look at the premolars, this is the premolars, first and second premolar, and the molar. And you can see the second molar is pretty high. And there is a norm, is the same as the lateral. This one has to be one millimeter from the zenith of the canine. Zenith is the highest point of the curve. So we know that there is an increase in length of the premolars that it needs to be done. And the premolar to the premolar to the molar, they are all on the same level. And then we plan it the same. Here, if we look at it, we are almost correct and we don't have to do anything on the right side. So that's why I picked this case because it's interesting. You have differences between right and left. Probably a one millimeter is not gonna hurt on the, uh, or half a millimeter on the uh, premolar here on the right to make it a little bit more at the same length of the uh, premolar. And sometimes cases cannot be done all but elongation. You can elongate in certain places and other places you have to bring the gums down and that's why we go for the soft tissue. But the beauty of aesthetics in periodontics is that we have to plan the case. We have to plan the case based on the aesthetic norms of dentistry, looking at the amount of gum tissue we have, the thickness of the tissue. This is a thick phenotype. You can see how thick, it has a lot of soft tissue. The teeth are more squared in, in general in this case. So there is a lot of things. And that's why the beauty of periodontics that it is interconnecting with all the disciplines of the dentistry. And that's why a, it takes three years to train a periodontist. Uh, even with that, it's many years of experience that is come, gonna come with it. And there's a reason for that because you can see by understanding the inflammatory disease and then we're understanding the soft tissue management. And now we're talking about aesthetic in periodontics. So you can see it's a vast majority of uh, subcategories of that specialty that makes it so interesting and so rewarding for us, the periodontists and for the patient and for the colleagues dentists that we work with. So, this is in, in general and uh, keeping up with my time, uh, what we talk about when we come to a, uh, a aesthetic planning uh, for aesthetic elongation of the teeth to treat a gummy smile and give the, the, the patient this longer, beautiful teeth. So with that, I am going uh, to finish this session, uh, this episode. Uh, so I wanna thank you for listening to me and watching me on YouTube. Um, I'm gonna post it today and I'm gonna post uh, uh, on Buzzsprout and it's gonna spread it on all the other media for the podcast. Uh, I will continue uh, with other cases to see how we can approach it. 
we will do a small recap. And after we finish all of that, I'm gonna interview some colleagues of mine, a prosthodontist, that they are super in their, uh, in their aesthetic practice. Um, and, you know, a prosthodontist uh, is somebody who went for specialty like us uh, for three years for training. And they know all the norms and all the intricacies because sometimes these cases are more of a reconstruction cases, not only making the teeth look pretty, but how we can make the bite proper. Uh, again, I'm not saying that general dentists cannot do that. Absolutely, uh, don't misunderstand me. They can do it. There's a lot of wonderful people out there that they are highly trained. They've been having a lot of experience that they've done a lot of work. So uh, I commend them. And thanks to them, we have this beautiful thing that we do. And so for this, I want to thank you. And again, if there is any comments on YouTube, you can send it to me uh, or you can even uh, email it to us and uh, or find me on the uh, social media and send me messages about it. With that, I want to thank you for uh, listening and uh, for following me on the podcast. Uh, it's a wonderful thing to have you and to spend time with you and uh, to learn and to uh, help you. I don't wanna say educate you, just to help you uh, in understanding more the intricacies of what we do in periodontics. Thank you and have a wonderful evening.